0: Joe Biden's precursor to the Mark of the Beast, World Economic Forum, the ingestible chips, carbon, carbon footprint tracking, the Sustainable Development Goals remain a compass to guide the EU. Did we hand U.S. sovereignty over to the World Health Organization? Well, I know that's a question on many people's minds. We will analyze these events from a prophetic perspective while taking your calls on this open line edition of End of the Age.
1: You're listening to an End of the Age Replay.
0: Well, Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of End of the Age. Now, I will be taking your calls. The number to reach me, one 363 8463 I had a question here. Is Joe Biden's executive order About the U.S. government's oversight of cryptocurrencies and the proposed Federal Reserve's central bank digital currency, or a CBDC, is that a precursor to the mark of the beast? Well, we have to look back at a little history here, and then I I just want to set your mind thinking about a precursor to the mark of the beast. This is one thing that we could face in the very near future. So early in the 20th century, a private club of bankers set, um, they, they devised a scheme to control the economy of the United States. They wanted a central bank, but there was, no, there was so much opposition to it that they decided that they had to do it in secret. In November of 1910, someone said, hey, let's go hunting. But none of them hunted. (laughs) So everybody's like, hunting? What are you doing? So they all had these gun cases and they all got on a train to go to this secret meeting on Jekyll Island off the coast of Georgia under the guise of a duck hunt. Senator Aldridge, Paul Warburg, and and four other experts sneaked off to discuss bank reform at this secret hideaway on Jekyll Island off of the Georgia coast. So... Those in attendance included, of course, um, Aldrich and Warburg, but there was also Henry Davidson of Morgan Bank, Frank Vanderlip of the National City Bank, Benjamin Strong, Vice President of the Bankers Trust Company, Piet Andrew, uh, former Secretary of the National Monetary Commission, and um, who was at, at that time Secretary of the Treasury, Assistant Secretary of the Treasury. The real purpose of that historical Duck hunt. You've seen, you've heard of the um, the book by G. Edward Griffin, the Creature from Jekyll Isle. In that book, he uh, exposed the establishment of a central bank in the United States of America. So that's where this a lot of this research comes from, and many other resources. But the real purpose of the historical, let's say, quote unquote, duck hunt. Was to formulate a plan for U.S. banking and currency reform that Aldrich could present to Congress in order to establish a central bank here in America. Now, this secret meeting on that was held on Jekyll Isle Island, which happened November uh, back in November of 1910. During the secret meeting of the powerful banking interest, the general outline of the Federal Reserve Act was determined. And, of course, Paul Warburg was the principal architect of this. The Federal Reserve Act, and this is still in play today, so I want you to really understand the scope of this situation and how much power these individuals have. The Federal Reserve Act placed control of America's money, your money and my money, into the hands of the private bankers. And of course if the if passed at that time the Federal Reserve would set interest rates determine the amount of money in circulation and much more. So it's in our constitution that Congress is to set the interest rates that because these are a group of elected individuals, right? And so they would set the interest rates that Congress would determine the amount of money in circulation, the amount of money that's printed. I mean it's just Control of our money. And that's how you regulate the economy. It's supposed to be a group of people that we voted in, elected officials. But there's a huge problem with this. The Federal Reserve Act took that power away from Congress and put it in the private hands of these private bankers. It's a cabal of private bankers. The outcome, of course, was the Federal Reserve Act was enacted and the, and uh, it became law. So stock was now owned by private bank holders. They gave private banking interest uh, the control of the U.S. economy. And, of course, the Federal Reserve is the United States Central Bank. It is not part of the federal government. It's a cabal of private bankers that control our economy. You do not elect these individuals. They are simply appointed. They own this. And they're actually controlling the economy of the world. It's part of a global system of central banks designed to control the global economy. And at the center of this, like I said, I think I talked about this a few days ago, the center of this is the Bank for International Settlements, which is the central bank to the central banks. Now, now you understand what's going on here in America and who controls our money. It's not our government. It's not our Congress. It's a private group of individuals, bankers. Now, with that in mind, now I want you to consider the proposal for the Federal Reserve Central Bank, a digital currency. Okay, now we've talked about cash and that cash is freedom. They're wanting to move us off of a cashless, onto a cashless society and are off of a cash, yeah, onto a cashless society society and onto a digital uh, platform. Now, of course, I'm I'm, I'm speculating here this scenario that would play out because we do not believe that the uh, Mark of the Beast would become fully implemented here in the United States because there's people that will fight against this as well. But on May the 9th, President Biden signed the executive order on ensuring responsible di- development of digital assets. It calls for government oversight of existing decentralized cryptocurrencies and states that, and, and I'm quoting, my or the Biden administration places the highest urgency on research and development efforts into the potential design and deployment of Options of a United States central bank digital currency. Of course, he's a he's a globalist. He believes in a one world governing body. So of course he's going to be on board with this. But oh man, I love these breaks, don't you? Uh, I'm going to hold right here. I'm going to go to the calls as soon as we get back from the break. I got an announcement. I'll finish this little segment and then we'll go there. But imagine the ramifications of this. Elected officials in America do not control our money. It is a a ball of private bankers that run the Federal Reserve.
2: In the Bible, God gave us a timeline from the beginning to the end of the age. Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time. Understand how you fit in and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching our brand new video, The Future According to Bible Prophecy. Get your DVD of The Future According to Bible Prophecy free with a gift of any amount. Go to intime.com/future or call 800 time That's intime.com/future or 800-363-8463.
3: Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills. But God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you, and we love you.
1: You're listening to an End of the Age replay.
0: Now, the, the potential for a central bank digital currency here in America... I know that nine out of the ten, so about ninety percent of all the central banks in the world, according to a recent Bank for International Settlements report, that ninety percent of all the central banks are looking into exploring the option of um, introducing a central bank digital currency to their uh, nations, because they're all ran, they're all they're all in this together. It's a it's a cabal of bankers. There's not a central bank in a country that does their own thing. It's not like that. You've got the Bank for International Settlements. These bankers meet there. They get their directives. And that's how they are controlling the economy of the world. So no wonder just about all of, almost all of them are looking into this, even here in the United States. You say, well, hold on a minute. We've got control over this. Our Congress, no, no, it's not our Congress anymore. The Federal Reserve Act took the power away from our Congress and gave it to a group of bankers, privately owned. So we don't have control over this. And so the, if you look at this, the central bank, I found an article, I read, I've i read I don't know how many articles about this, but Forbes, they stated that the problem here is that there is no limit to the level of control that the government could exert over people if money is purely electronic and provided directly by the government. A CBDC, which this is not our government, this is the Federal Reserve. I think Forbes needs to get on board with this. But a CBDC would give federal officials or the, I'm going to say the Federal Reserve, which is no more federal than Federal Express, it would give them full control. Listen at this. Over the money, every transaction that you do that puts money into your bank account and every transaction that you do that takes money out of your bank account. Now, if everything's digital, you got to put it in a bank account. They can track every single thing you do. And another problem is, is that it's they want to be able to program. It's programmable. There's a potential for that. Programmable would mean if you're not on board with the edicts of let's say climate change, it's like a social um, credit system like China's doing. If you're not on board with what the government's agendas are, then they may be able to limit your, or to cut off your access to your money. And so imagine, if you will, a cabal of private bankers able to use a universal system of digital currencies to control the buying or selling of every person. It almost sounds prophetic, doesn't it? Revelation 13, 16 through 17. And he calls all both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their forehead, and that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark. So a, a universal method. If we were to move onto a digital platform and do away with cash, potentially, and think about that. Is that a precursor to the mark of the beast? You better believe it is. If it comes to pass like this and we were to move off a cashless system, now, you wonder why they're wanting to regulate and to oversee all of these um, cryptocurrencies? Cryptocurrencies? because they can't, they're, they're decentralized, they can't control them. It, it, an alternative form of payment, if that would become really established and people could go to Walmart or wherever, grocery stores and pay for it with cryptocurrencies, and it was not federally controlled, the Federal Reserve, they just can't stand that. It's blowing their mind. So they said, uh, hey, Joe Biden, President of the United States, we want you to uh, put out an executive order that says we need to regulate that. But the Federal Reserve, they're going to look into and do all their research and potentially put out their own central bank digital currency because then we can have control of that. And something that you, the American people, would trust, right? So, wow. I mean, just think about the potential for all of this. Precursors to the mark of the beast. Wow. I have a quick announcement, then we'll go straight to the phone. Sorry about that. Um, i got a prophecy conference coming up in Kingsport, Tennessee, next weekend, June 4th and June 5th. Saturday evening, June 4th, from 6 to 8 p.m., I'll be teaching the Antichrist Socialistic Kingdom and be giving updates on all that. We'll tie the World Economic Forum and all that into that lesson. Pastor Jeremy Damesworth, we were there last year and had the place was pretty much packed. And uh, it's at Christian Life Center, 2401 North John B. Dennis Highway in Kingsport, Tennessee, June 5th on Sunday morning from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. I'll actually be preaching on the Holy Ghost. That's Pentecost Sunday. I'll be preaching on the Holy Ghost. If you'd like to receive the Holy Ghost in that meeting, come to the meeting. Last year we had people traveling from other states to get there. So, very important. Um, Again, next weekend, June 4th and June 5th, if you'd like to meet us there, uh, there's maps, phone numbers and everything on our website. Uh, So, Look forward to having a great conference next weekend, June 4th and June 5th, in Kingsport, Tennessee. Okay, let's go straight to the phones. Uh, Trey, right here in Texas. God bless, Trey. Welcome to End of the Age. Yes, sir. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. I have some comments I want to make. Uh, I've been a lifelong Democrat. Yes, sir.
4: I've been a lifelong Democrat, and uh, I've also uh, been for family values. in favor the second amendment, protecting our uh gun gun rights, i 'cause I'm a hunter, I like to go target shooting. Yeah. Uh I don't hunt animals, I, mean, I like to go target shooting. hmm I'm also uh for limited government. I'm 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 also for the sovereignty of this country. And like I said, I've been a lifelong Democrat and unfortunately I just had the party left me and I, for the first time in my life I'm gonna vote straight Republican.
0: hmm
4: Now I'm not saying they're perfect. Uh the Republicans are nobody means perfect for Right. They're flawed human beings, but they're better than the alternative. Right. And I just urge your listeners to please make sure you go vote uh, this midterm and then in 2024.
0: Sure. Very important, by the way. Uh, Yeah, I appreciate that, Trey. I mean, actually, Elon Musk has said that he's going to vote Republican for the first time. With me, Trey, the way – I mean, I do vote, and – um, if if you've got somebody who, and I vote, I vote, now, I, like you said, nobody's perfect. Politi- there's not one politician that's perfect. I don't care who they are. But the fact of the matter is, when I look at voting, and somebody is pro-abortion, forget Democrat, Republican, color, blah, blah, blah. I don't care about any of that stuff. What I look at is, if you've got a choice of one or, of two, one's pro-abortion and one is not. One's pro-LGBT community, one is not. One's pro-gun control, one is not. I'm not laying awake at night saying, well, man, I wonder who I'm going to vote for. I don't care if they're Republican, independent, Democrat. If the Democrats were anti-abortion and the Republicans were pro-abortion, I'd be voting the other way. Because I'm going to vote for what's best for America, what's best for my country, what's going to at least point us in the direction of the Bible, and if most of what somebody's for is anti-Bible, the decision's already made for me. And again, like you say, they're not perfect, but um, I understand your position, Trey, and I appreciate it, sir.
4: Well, thank you, sir, and I just want to leave you with one factor, one, one statistic. Yeah, One out of every five people in this country have been terminated ever since Roe v. Wade has come into law. Right. Just tell how how, how how gargantuan gigantic that that particular statistic is. Yeah. And thank you for giving. Thank you for letting me call you and All right, voice Trey. my concerns.
0: Well, God bless you, my friend. You have a great weekend. You know, everybody. Yes, that's the thing. I have uh, many influential Democrats who are my friends, and they told me. They said I. I, I had one who just. um he just ended his term as a district attorney at, in um, Jackson, Mississippi, a while back. Very good friend of mine. He told me, he said, I don't agree. It was either in Jackson or right around Jackson. He said, I don't, I, I, he come to and talked to me and uh, my father-in-law at a prophecy conference. And he said, I do not agree with everything going on in Washington. And he's old school Democrat, and and um, he said that I was being funded by Soros until they found out I did not agree with abortion and didn't agree with the, pushing the LGBT um, agenda. He said I was getting checks from Soros for my campaign, and then they had a delegation come from New York down to see me. He said we sat around this big conference table, and once they found out I was not, I was anti-abortion and anti-LGBT. They asked him pointed questions. They pretty much got up and said, well, that's all we need to know. They ended the meeting, and the checks stopped immediately. And luckily, his family was um, independently wealthy. They funded his campaign. He won. He served many terms. I don't think he's in it anymore. But you understand what's really going on here. Soros has funded many um, of the district attorneys and things around the country trying to sway the ideologies of people. And, man, I'm telling you, politics is not the solution, folks. It really isn't. If we had a spiritual revival here in America, where we got back to the Word of God and prayer, and people went back to good, Bible-believing, Bible-teaching churches, this thing would turn around like that. If we move right back onto the Ten Commandments and the biblical foundational principles, and back onto our Judeo-Christian principles... We could get back to the America that we all want. But currently, we're not there, and I'm praying for the spiritual revival that will happen in the near future. Let's go back to the phones. Anna in Florida. God bless Anna. Welcome to End of the Age.
3: Hi, Dave. I was wondering about the Daniel nine twenty seven. Mm-hmm. the people of the prince who will come and destroy the sanctuary. Yeah. And some I have heard somebody say that that prince... Um, is what they used to call the Pope. They used to call the Pope years ago. And now the Pope has a seven-year climate um, covenant or some kind of agreement with seven yeah. goals. I was that It's called Laudato Si. Yeah. And I was wondering what you think of that. And I'll take the answer off the air.
0: Okay. All right. Thank you much, Anna. And you have a great weekend. Thanks. So okay. if you look at the prophecy of Daniel's 70 weeks, it's in Daniel 9. Verses 24 all the way down through 27. And if you read down through there, I mean, I've given out, I don't know how many of these Daniel uh, 70th week articles that we wrote over the years. But when it, there, there, it's a 490 year prophecy. And when you, you go down through there, there's gaps in there. There's a lot of different things to explain it all. But in Daniel 9, 26, I want to read this very closely for you, Anna and everybody listening. After three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. So Jesus the Messiah was cut off prior. And then it says, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. So very important. Who's the prince here? That's who we're talking about. The people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary and thereof shall be the flood. And unto the end of the war, desolations are determined. Well, I know somebody who teaches that the prince that shall come has to be the pope. But that simply is not the case. Because the people of the prince that shall come, the Antichrist, will be the leader of the Holy Roman Empire. Okay? Remember that. So the people of the prince that shall come, the prince there is not the pope. It's the Antichrist. How do we know? Because then you go into Daniel nine twenty seven, and it says, and he, who's the he? Well, it's the prince, the people of the prince that shall come. The prince. He shall come from the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week, he shall cause a sacrifice, and the oblation to cease, and for the overspreading of abomination, he shall make it desolate. Okay? So who is the he? Who is the prince? If you go to Daniel chapter 11, the Bible answers the question. If you, from Daniel eleven twenty 20 on, it is um, concerning the Antichrist. It talks about the kings of the north and all that, but when he gets to verse 20, all the way down through the end of the chapter, that's totally devoted to the Antichrist. So the Bible says that in Daniel 11, 22, And with arms of the flood shall they be overthrown from before him, and shall be broken, yea, also the prince... Of the covenant, so it tells us right here the antichrist is the prince of the covenant, and then when you go on down to verse thirty-one, it answers the other two parts in Daniel nine twenty-seven. And arms shall stand on his—who's his? The antichrist. Arms will stand on the antichrist part. They shall pollute the sanctuary of strength. They shall—what did Daniel nine twenty-seven said? This prince would do? He would take away the sacrifice. This here says. And the Antichrist shall take away the daily sacrifice and also place the abomination that make a desolate. So it calls him the, the prince of the covenant, the, the Antichrist, the Antichrist will take away the sacrifice and the Antichrist will set up the abomination that make a desolate. Jesus was very specific in Matthew 24 when he said, when you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation of spoken by Daniel, the prophet stand in the holy place. He's talking about when the Antichrist stands in the holy place, um, proclaiming to be God himself. How do you know that? Well, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. The Bible says that um, the day of the Lord, the the, uh, coming of the Lord and the gathering together under him will not occur until the falling away first happens, and the man of sin, the son of perdition, is revealed, who stands in the holy, in the temple, claiming that he is God. So when you tie all these verses together it's the Antichrist not the Pope now I know I'm coming up on a break when I come back from the break I'll get off a little into the Lada C seven year plan I understand what that is everything about it and we'll get off into that and I'll let you I'll show you how it's not the final seven years that Daniel prophesied about in Daniel 927
1: whether it's a global pandemic threat of war or floundering economies,
0: Okay, so again, I am taking your calls. The number to reach me one eight seven seven three six three eight four six three. I got a, a few um, spots open here. I do have a couple more guys on the phone. I'll get to you guys in just a second. However, I want to make sure that I answer Anna's question here in great detail. Very important. The final seven years uh, agreement that will be. Um, signed by the Antichrist, confirmed by the Antichrist, and many other politicians on the earth. Yes, it is important to know the who will sign it, but the problem is we're not going to know the identity of the Antichrist until three and a half years later. So we can't say specifically just because X person signed a seven-year agreement that, hey, this is the one. Because there are biblical characteristics that will help us to know what the agreement is. This is very, very important. The biblical characteristics, when you go to Matthew and different chapters in the Bible, you have to understand, Matthew 24, the characteristics. The peace agreement that will be the final seven years that the Antichrist will be a part of has five specific biblical characteristics that go along with it. And they are, there will be a two-state solution created in Israel. Now, I, I've heard people talk about this and the Laudato see, and they say, there's no place in the Bible where the word Palestinian is, uh, the Palestinian agreement is mentioned. No, I got that. It doesn't say that. But if you understand what Jesus was prophesying about in Matthew 24, the Olivet Discourse, he said that when you see the abomination of desolation occur, Spoken of by Daniel the prophet. Let them which be in Judea flee. Specifically the modern day West Bank. Remember he's talking to us. He's not talking to the disciples. They ask him the question. What's going to be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So he's talking to us. The geopolitical situation in Israel in 2022 on. What's going on today? At Right here before the end of the age. That's what Jesus is talking about. So he says when you... See, the abomination of desolation occur when the Antichrist stands in that rebuilt Jewish temple proclaiming to be God. Let them which be in Judea Judea flee. So Jesus is prophesying. The Jews that live out there in Judea, they're going to have to run for their lives because they will have lived under a volatile state up to that point. There's going to be a point where the people running the state will turn on them. There's nobody else vying for the West Bank today other than the Palestinians. So, there's going to be a two-state solution created. And the Jews that are living out there in Judea, they're going to have to flee. But prior to that, they will be living out there as a Jewish minority in that two-state solution. And this has already been proposed. Third, there's going to be a sharing arrangement on the Temple Mount that allows Israel to build her third temple. John John said, "Measure the, measure the temple, but don 't measure the outer court because it will be trodden down of the Gentiles for forty two months, so there's going to be a sharing arrangement up there, and then also, and which has already been proposed why don 't you guys just share it? Uh, Bill Clinton at the uh, Camp David Accords in two thousand why don 't you guys just share it? and then Israel's going to be allowed to build her third temple, and um because John prophesied about that in Revelation 11 and Paul prophesied about that in Zechariah chapter 2. And um, Israel will control Jerusalem, all the city of Jerusalem, all the way until the second coming of Jesus Christ in the battle of Armageddon. The Bible says in the battle of Armageddon, half of the city will be captured. So that means Israel has had control of the entire city all the way throughout. Now, these are the biblical characteristics of the peace agreement that will be signed for the final seven years. The Antichrist will be involved in that, not the Pope. Now, and this is just Bible prophecy 101. And now, the Laudato Si, I understand that the Pope Francis, I think it was on May 25th of last year, 2021, that Pope Francis put out his Laudato Si seven-year action plan for the earth to get on board with his, the, the United Nations climate plan, the world governing climate plan, and everybody start to ad, uh, administer that into their countries and things like that. The Pope's all on board with that. I, I totally understand all of that. However, none of the five characteristics have to do anything with that Laudato Sea plan. And uh, the Pope is not the one that signs the final seven-year agreement. So... Wow, Anna, see what the can of worms that you opened up right there? Uh, no, I'm glad you did. Uh, thank you for that question, but I want to be very specific about that because we need to know what to watch for in the um, in the near future. Another thing, if you believe that the Pope's Laudato C seven-year action plan started the final seven years, then you have to believe that we're, what, uh, today's May 27, that we're, two days over a year into the final seven years already. So according to my knowledge of Bible prophecy and Irvin Baxter's knowledge of Bible prophecy, it simply has not started yet. And so, um, you know, that's that's Bible Prophecy 101, Anna. God bless you, and I hope you have a great weekend. Okay, so let's go to O.C. in Tennessee. God bless O.C. Welcome to End of the Age.
5: Hello, Dave. How are you? I have a question about Luke chapter 21 and verse 22. Okay. And it has to do with the days of vengeance. I have it's kind of a two-part question about the verse. Yeah. So are the days of vengeance the same as the hour of temptation in Revelation 3.10? And the second part of the question is, all the things that are written, what is Jesus referring to when he says all the things that are written? So... The, the days of vengeance
0: here are not the same thing in Revelation 3.10. Revelation 3.10 was written to the church of Philadelphia 2,000 years ago. And John, in the book of Revelation, it, the way it's segmented out, in Revelation one nineteen, God said, John, I want you to write the things which you have seen, the things which are, and the things which will be here after. And so that's the way the book of Revelation is written. John wrote a vision that he had seen in Revelation 1. He wrote to seven churches that were on the earth 2,000 years ago in chapters 2 and 3. And then in Revelation 4, 1, he begins the prophetic segment. Or, hey, John, come up hither, and I will show you things that will be here after. The prophetic portion of the book of Revelation. So, uh, Luke here, for these these be the days of vengeance, it's not talking about the same thing as... um, John wrote to in the Church of Philadelphia 2,000 years ago.
5: Thank you. And then what about the things that are, all the things that are written? So, yeah, so that all the the things
0: things that are written may be fulfilled. So there are specific things that are prophesied about in Luke 21 here is referring to the same thing that Jesus taught about in Matthew chapter 24. There will be wars and rumors of wars. You'll see uh, pestilence, earthquakes, famines, all these different things. It's specifically saying here, that these be the days of vengeance, that all the things that are written about, all the things that are prophesied about will be fulfilled. Many things will happen. The great tribulation, all of the things Jesus wrote about in Matthew 24 will be fulfilled right here at the end of the age. That's what he's talking about.
5: Okay, so in Luke 21, chapter 11, um, verse 11, when it talks about great signs in heaven, what were the great signs in heaven that happened? Because last time I called in, We talked about this, and we decided that 20 through 24 of Matthew 21 was about the destruction of Jerusalem. Right. So So what great signs in the heaven happened before that?
0: Yeah, so it says, um, And great earthquakes shall uh, be in diverse places, famines, pestilence, fearful sights. great signs shall there be from heaven. Um, I don't know at that point. I'll have to research that a little bit. I don't know.
5: I actually have done some reading on this, if you don't mind me sharing. Uh, as long but, as it uh, doesn't take too long. It won't. Josephus actually records about, uh, you know, a lot of uh, things like uh, chariots being in the sky before Jerusalem fell. That's interesting. I'll see you uh, next Friday when I call, in. thanks for answering my questions. All right, man. God bless you, sir. And
0: Jesus, he actually goes on to say in Luke twenty-one twelve, before all these things, They shall lay hands on you, persecute you, deliver you from the synagogues up to the synagogues and the prisons. And you'll be before kings and rulers for my namesake. The great signs in heaven, not sure what that will be. I'd have to do a little research on that. However, I know specifically what prophecies say from Matthew 24. Matthew 24, the most popular, the most detailed uh, prophecy chapter in the entire Bible And so um, I I don't know at this point what that would be. I'd have to do a little research on that one. Uh, Forgive me for not knowing, but I'll do a little research, O.C., and maybe we can have a little more uh, better of a banter back and forth at that point. Okay, let's go to Robert in Wyoming. God bless, Robert. Welcome to End of the Age.
6: Yes. um, Hello. How are you
0: doing? I'm doing tremendous. How
6: are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, Yes, I just had a question. You know, you guys – a lot of Pentecostal preachers keep saying that this is a precursor to the mark of the beast. And, you know, I kind of disagree because you guys are looking at it, um, not spiritually. And you're looking at the third temple more carnally and the abomination of desolation. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we're, we're the temple of God and if saying wants to be like the most high. I mean, he's going to make the temple desolate, which is us. Yeah. And, you know, So, like, in Revelations 18, it says that um, by sorceries were all the nations deceived. And sorcery is, um, in the Greek, is pharmakia. And pharmacy comes from the word pharmakia. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I've never seen nothing like this in the history of the earth where, you know, people have to take... uh, you know, a vaccine just to go to work and keep their job to feed their, their children.
0: Right. You know,
6: and he does say all nations are deceived through sorcery. And the merchants, the great merchants, the great men of the earth are the ones controlling it, which, I mean, you know, who has the most money right now? Who's making the most money, you know, right now? Right.
0: You know. So, Robert, when the Bible says in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, the Antichrist will stand in a Jewish temple proclaiming to be God. What's, he, what's Paul talking about there?
6: Well, see, that, you're, that's where I'm saying you've got to look at the abomination and desolation spiritually, not just carnal-minded. No,
0: know, I, I because, understand your position. You know. I'm, I'm, my question is, what is Paul talking about when he says the Antichrist will stand in a Jewish temple and proclaim to be God? How else would you interpret that? Well,
6: um, there are Christian Jews today. I mean, not all are, you know, um, still Zionists or if, you know, a lot of them have turned to Jesus. And so there is Jewish temples which are in Israel that are believing in Jesus. And they're being deceived to take this this abomination because it's like a witch's brew. I mean, they don't tell you what's in the witch's brew and people drink it. It's the same thing with this. Um, All the Christians are taking a, uh, uh, you know, a jab that they don't know what's in it. Right. So it's it's the same as a witch's brew. I mean, uh, going to a witch doctor. Okay. So I mean, you know. Yeah. Um, how, being a Christian, you're, all of us are following what the world is doing instead of going the other way. That's you know. Sure. Well, you know, and you know, being in your position, I mean, you say you're going to warn us from the mark of the beast, but what is what is it going to be when you can't buy or sell? You have to take a, an identification because you're all identified through through this mark, through having the vaccine.
0: Yeah, well, so the Bible says that there will be a global economic sanctioning system and that everybody would receive a mark on their right hand or in their forehead. And without that, they wouldn't be able to buy or sell. So it's got to be something that you can uh, it could be a chip under the skin. I don't know at this point. But I think it's going to be physical. I don't think it's necessarily a uh, a, a spiritual situation. So I think we'll have to agree to disagree, Robert. God bless you and you have a great weekend.
7: I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Roberts. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon-coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to intime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner.
1: You're listening to an End of the Age Replay.
0: Welcome back, everybody. Let's go straight to the phones. Howard in North Carolina. God bless Howard. Welcome to End of the Age.
8: Uh, Hi, Dave. Uh, It's good to talk with you. And uh, I had a call about the 144,000, but based on the uh, last caller, Mm -hmm. I actually have um, thought about the mark of the beast. So I have kind of a follow-up question on that at the time. Yeah. So so anyway... um, Earlier today, I was listening to a YouTube video, and it was a pre-trib preacher,
4: mm-hmm.
8: and uh, halfway through a 50-minute uh, uh, sermon, I had to stop watching. as just so much wrong based on what I've learned from you and your ministry over the past three years. Yes, sir. So, uh, But anyway, he was talking about uh, that Revelation was a message towards the Jews, and I've heard you talk about... Um, the elect uh, and the saints, being Christians yes. as well as any believer in Christ. Yes. So I was going to ask you to uh, just explain if there's anything in Revelation that's strictly to the Jews uh, and maybe relating to the forty-four thousand. How that would be applied? Yeah. And that uh, that it is for everyone. That's my first question, and then I can ask one about Mark of the Beast if there's time.
0: Yeah, so the 144,000 in the book of Revelation, it appears that that is a symbolic number. If it's 144,000 or however many it is, maybe if it's symbolic, maybe just a, a remnant, because um, that is a remnant of Jews that will be saved. If you understand what happens at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ... Romans eleven twenty five and 26 says that when the, Gentile, the fullness of the Gentiles be come in, all of Israel will be saved at that point. So everyone that has come through the Great Tribulation, which is the wrath of Satan that's poured out upon the Jews around the world and the true church of Jesus Christ, the, everyone that's come through the Great Tribulation and the Battle of Armageddon, this is right here at the very end, the Bible says that there will be a remnant of Jews that are saved. All of Israel, who's left, will be saved at that point. The Bible says in Zechariah that the Jews will come out. The Lord will come down, plant His feet on the Mount of Olives. The Jews will actually come out and say, well, they know He's the Messiah. They know about the prophecy in Zechariah that He's going to come back, plant His feet on the Mount of Olives, and they're going to come out and say, they're going to know He's the Messiah. They're going to walk out and they're just going to say, wait, wait, hold on a minute. The Bible says they will ask Him, where'd you get those scars in your hands? And He's going to say, these are those with which I got in the house of my friends. So Israel's going to be saved at that point. And so this is the remnant of the Jews on the earth, on, in Israel. However, John, that's Revelation 7, verse 1 through 8. In Revelation uh, 7, 9, John says, he's seeing a vision in heaven of all these people. Then he says, And I turned and looked, and behold, a multitude no man could number out of every kindred, people, tongue, and nation, not just Jews, but about out of every nation, it doesn't matter your color, where you're from, all that. They, that doesn't matter to God at all. The Bible says right. John saw a multitude of everybody that was up there. And he asked the elder, he said, the elder asked him, he said, who are these, John? John said, I don't know, thou knowest. And the elder said, these are they that came out of great tribulation. So in the end time, there will be a remnant of Jews saved and a multitude that no man could number. That are Gentiles. It's going to be a, just like the original church was Jewish-Gentile mixed, the end-time church will be Jewish-Gentile mixed. And it's already started to happen, Howard, because I have many Jewish friends that have been born again. They're saved. And so it's already started to happen. When the final seven years happens, it will really escalate at that point. That's when a lot of our efforts will increase in Israel and... God's really going to start pouring out his spirit on many of them. But I know some today that have been repented, been baptized, and received the gift of the Holy Ghost. I've got many friends. I have friends in Israel that have done that. So it's already started. That's great. Yeah. Um, My second one is uh, regarding Mark of the
8: Beast. uh, I guess people debate if it's an actual mark or if it's something electronic that they can turn off our bank accounts and so forth. Yeah. Uh, I can see that. But uh, I, was, I was thinking about the early Christians. Didn't they have a mark uh, like a sign of a fish and then later on the cross to be a Christian? And I'm thinking, well, that is for Jesus. So we you know Antichrist is similar to Jesus, but he taints it. It's different. So I'm thinking that, well, there are countries that don't have banks. I mean, if we're talking about maybe in the Amazon, South America, maybe in Africa, how can these people be singled out as not having the mark? So I'm thinking everyone in the world would get a physical mark, but if they're in a country where they would have a bank account, that at that point they would have to, Somehow connect them having taken mark to their bank account.
0: Yeah.
8: Then at that point they would turn off, say your bank account, my bank account, because you and I are not going to take the mark.
0: Yes. Yeah. So the thing is, is I've There's done ex- no I've done extensive research on this, Howard, and um, oh. the world, the World Bank, and the ID2020, the United Nations. They both okay. have efforts to number every single person on the planet. That's their goal. Okay. Go to ID2020, the United Nations ID4D, the World Bank. I saw a big map that they put together. All of the all of the developed nations on the planet were already blacked in on the map, but they showed some in Africa and some of these underdeveloped nations where they said, "Hey, there's about 1.1 billion people that do not have an access to banking, they don't have access to government subsidies." A lot of different things because they don't have a a um, digital identity or, or even an identity. So most of them, they're already giving them a national ID card. In Uganda, some of these terribly poor countries, they're giving them national ID cards. And eventually, when they get them all in the system, and they've actually said this is to get people on board with the, a, with a, in the banking system. So these people can, they're trying to better them in their mind by getting them involved in a banking system and things like that, even though these people have nothing they're fishing all day for one fish to feed their family. So right. it's really, it's really about control at the end of the day, but they're trying to number every person on the planet um, to get this thing rolled out. Okay.
8: So given everyone does have a, a number, mm-hmm. is it, you think it might be possible to get a tattoo on the hand or forehead so that people can say, okay, he's got his number. There's his tattoo, so we can now barter a bushel of corn for two fish. Where there's no bank and no money involved, it's a barter system. But if you have the mark and it's visible, then you can say, "Well, we're not can't trade." Yeah, I mean at this—that so was my thought. I was yeah. wondering how that might shake out.
0: Yeah, I mean at this point, all I can do is give you a scriptural answer. And the okay. Bible says there's going to be a physical world government ran by a physical human being, the Antichrist. This is Revelation 13. There's going to be a physical world religion that's going to be ran by a physical individual, the false prophet. And they will set up a physical global numbering system that they will use to economically sanction people to bow down to the edicts of their one world governing governing body. And so okay. how that is administered, a chip, an invisible tattoo, a visible tattoo. I don't know at this point, uh, maybe... a. excuse me, a national ID card. I I don't know at this point, but I know it's a a global system. Yeah. And that's a lot of what these central bank, I just talked about the central bank, digital currencies. That's a global economic system. They control the economies of the world. If they can get everybody involved in that with a a central bank, digital currency, man, they could really turn this thing around really quick.
8: They've got us. Yeah. I've heard, I heard that presentation. Uh, Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate everything in-time ministry does, and God bless.:
0: Thank you, sir, and God bless you, my friend. Have a great weekend. Thanks. Let's go to Liz, and then if I got time, we'll get to Jim in the truck. Let's go to Liz in uh, Louisiana. God bless Liz. Welcome to End of the Age.: Hi, Brother Dave. How are you?: I'm good. Great. Um,
3: just quick question um, about the rapture. Yeah. Whenever the Bible says that um, the dead in Christ shall rise first.
0: Yes. And
3: uh, I've been curious about that. Um, what about the, the Old Testament people who were not born again Yeah, and also the children that have died before they're able to have uh, accountability? Um, what happens with them yeah. after at the time of the rapture? And I'll take
0: my question off there. Okay. I do thank you much, Liz. God bless and you have a great weekend. Thank you, Chip. So what happens to all the Old Testament saints uh, that were, let's say, that, that, went, that went through the tabernacle plan, the temple plan uh, that Moses established, and that the, the first temple that Solomon built, and then the second temple that Zerubbabel built, the plan of salvation throughout the Old Testament. What happens to the ones that adhered to that, but weren't born again under the plan of salvation that Jesus Christ purchased on Calvary? What happens to them at the rapture? Okay. At the time of the rapture, the dead in Christ. That includes the Old Testament prophets and saints that were saved under those different dispensations, those salvation plans. They were under the law, but the Bible says the law was a schoolmaster bringing us to Christ. So those salvation plans were stopgap measures until a spotless lamb could die and pay for those sins. So, because we entered into the law of sin and death when Adam and Eve sinned, and that lasted all the way till Jesus Christ. Then Jesus Christ, at his death, defeated Satan and broke the law of sin and death for those that would be born again. So what happens is, the, the, old, the law was a schoolmaster bringing us to Christ. So those Old Testament prophets and saints, everybody that was justified, or everybody that was, went under, uh, adhered to those plans of salvation, Their sins were rolled forward to Calvary when a spotless lamb would die. And then we look back to Calvary for our plan of salvation. So everything hinges on the act of Calvary, what Jesus did on Calvary. When God Almighty robed Himself in flesh, came and died for us, He broke the law of sin and death. And now, once you're you're born again... Now you're prepared to go up in the rapture. Okay, so everybody goes up in the rapture. When the dead in Christ rise, all of those Old Testament prophets and saints, they'll go up as well. How how can I prove that? We're going to go to the scripture. This is Revelation 11, verse 15. And this is the seventh angel. This is the last trump. This is when the rapture happens. The Bible says, And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, Hey, the kingdoms of our Lord, the kingdoms of this world, are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever. And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats, they fell upon their faces, they worshipped God. Let's go down to verse eighteen. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come. It's right here at the very end. And the time of the dead, that they should be judged. This is very important, and that Thou shouldest give rewards unto the servants and the prophets. Uh, unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, shouldest destroy them that destroy the earth. So it specifically mentions the prophets and the saints here. We're all going to go together. And then we who are alive in will be caught up to meet them in the air. And the kids that were not in the age of accountability, uh, like a, a, a child two years old, they've never had a, been able to enter in or uh, to acknowledge that there is a God and to be born again. Obviously those are placed in the hands of a loving, merciful God. I don't believe God would send a two-year-old into the lake of fire. Just my opinion.
7: This has been End of the Age brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries.